Appreciate everybody tuning in. Saw somebody wanting to call in. 844-899-8857 is the phone number. Um, <clears throat> bear with us, and we will um, we'll get you on the line. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Appreciate everybody liking the stream. Up to 45 likes. Appreciate it. That's always good to see. Um, good to see folks tuning in. TVLR.fm slash donate if you want to... Uh, make a one-time or monthly recurring donation, tvlr.fm slash donate. You can also um, buy our merch, tvlr.fm slash merch. Yeah. All right. We still working on that, or we got it back up? Let's see. I think we should have the call-in studio back up. Uh, so if you want to try again, definitely do that. Uh, in the meantime, I just wanted to say, you know, a couple of words. Uh, really appreciate everyone who's tuning in. And for those of you who don't know, we do air live on WVNN, the right-wing talk radio station in Huntsville, Athens, every Saturday from 9.30 to 11. And you are listening to Overtime, which starts at 11 o'clock, airing online only on YouTube and Facebook. We got our start on WVNN, which uh, is the birthplace of Sean Hannity and home to all sorts of reactionary propaganda that we find objectionable. But we do think it's important to get a different perspective out there to multiple audiences. We're happy that a portion of the show is replayed during the week on WZZA, the historic black radio station in northwest Alabama and on WHIV, a community radio station in New Orleans. We released a full episode on Spotify, Apple, and the various podcasting apps, so please subscribe to us on your app of choice and give us a good review. That helps. Throughout the week, clips of the show are released as standalone videos on YouTube and in some cases on TikTok as well. So if there's a specific segment or interview that you want to find, we try to make it easy for you. Again, just do us a favor, hit subscribe, hit like, and all of our content is free. So special thanks to all of you who donate, all of you who comment and call in, all of you who have liked us, shared us, and reviewed us. Your engagement on social media and the podcasting apps really does help, and that's a quick, easy, and free way to support the program. If you believe it's important to have our own media of, by, and for the Southern working class, please consider supporting us however you can, and please share with your coworkers, friends, family, and neighbors. We know there's a lot of good causes to support, and our audience are working folks with limited incomes. So if you find value in our project and you're willing to chip in a couple bucks, it would mean a lot. We've got some great stuff planned as we grow the project, and we can't do it without you. Uh, so all that said, I do think we have a caller on the line. Uh, do you want to try to get to a caller before we have our guest on? 
Um. Yeah. Sure. Really quick. This one's. I know. I know. This one is infinite content. But we'll, oh, okay. Yeah, I, we'll get to them. Uh, I hadn't seen the other guy call in, so looks like he's gonna have to wait till after the interview if he wants to call in. Um, but that'll be fine. We can let infinite content come on and uh, gotta be quick though because we got our folks. Uh, the next guest. Yeah, soon, Southern so. Workers Assembly is coming on. Yeah. Really looking forward to that. Yeah. So uh, two six seven area code infinite content. Uh, that's the username on YouTube from Philadelphia. Thanks for the call. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, uh, how are you? <clears throat> oh, good gosh! I didn't realize my throat, my voice sounded so horrible today. Um, how how y'all been? Doing, Doing well, um, brother. Doing well. So I just wanted to uh, give you all a heads up that SEPTA, the uh, original um, transit agency. In Philadelphia is planning on going on strike like at the end of October, mm-hmm. like in a week and a half. So that's going to be a ma- that will cause major problems because mm-hmm. the last every time Senator goes on strike, it causes havoc in um, Philadelphia metro area. But I, it's not southern labor, but it's labor nonetheless. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, that's that's now, yeah. Do you know like? How, uh... I've been trying to talk with some workers, and they said uh, they're trying to work it out, but they're trying they're trying to keeping things under the vest, uh, like up uh, on the low low, because uh, they they don't want to put out the fact really that um, a strike's going to happen and it's going to basically set. Here's the thing: the strike will be um, depending on how the Phillies do, because they're in the NLCS, one thing SEPTA won't do is strike during the World Series. So they will definitely keep um, the buses and stuff running during the World Series, and if they'll probably have subways running uh, so people can get to uh, Eagles games. But all the other buses and stuff, that they're going to eat six all of that. And, uh, but SEPTA has, like, Three different unions. They have they have a union that works with city in Philadelphia proper. They have a union in um, the suburbs, and and they have a union um, that works on the trains. Um, so uh, it's three different unions, but they're all coordinating the strike at the same time. Now, I just want to let, make that known. But the uh, another thing. I read that article on Yahoo uh, where Bill Ford was wondering, like, oh, the UAW going on strike might affect our finances uh, for the future. Guess what? Strikes ain't meant to be convenient. They're meant to be disruptive. You know what's going to disrupt your finances even more? Uh, the amount of revenue that, and um, profit that you're going to lose uh, during these strikes. Right? Yeah, no, it's a super super easy way to stop the strikes, and that's to give the union what they're asking for. Yeah, I'm like, you don't have to give them everything because you have to come and compromise. Compromise means not everybody gets what they want, but <clears throat> the, uh, they need to go ahead and give the union at least 75% of what they are, they're asking for. Right. And that, I believe that's the simplest solution to the problem. They're like, oh, all these other companies will come in? Well, when you're not making cars, guess what? Other companies can come and make cars. So the best way to get... Uh, card made is to pay your workers because they're the most important stakeholders of any business. I want to hear about shareholders. Shareholders aren't doing the uh, work. That's right. Employees are the most important stakeholders of any business. 
I just want um going to hear um speak my shit and let y'all go. Solidarity brothers holler. Appreciate, Appreciate it, you. man. Appreciate Thanks. you. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and bring on the folks from the Southern Workers Assembly. Looking forward to, uh, uh, really looking forward to this conversation. All right, cool, cool. Let me, uh, let me actually get everybody on screen and get that going. Uh, yeah, so the, the Southern Workers Assembly is a network of local unions, worker organizations, and, um, workers that are uh, in organizing committees committed to building a rank-and-file democratic social movement unionism as a foundation for organizing, uniting, and transforming labor power throughout the South. Uh, that is a great goal. We support it. Uh, and we have... Um, I think we've had some people from the Southern Workers Assembly on the show before, uh, but I don't know if we've done a deep dive into uh, what they uh, uh, into their mission and what they're up to. So really looking forward to this. Yeah. So uh, welcome to the Valley Labor Report. And I wanted to give you a chance to just kind of introduce yourself and, and tell us who you are and what got you involved in the movement before we get into the Southern Workers Assembly and, and what y'all have planned. Great. Yeah, it sounds good. Um, can you hear me okay? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Sounds great. Great, great. So, yeah, my name is Ajamu Dillahunt, uh, and I'm a member of the Southern Workers Assembly, uh, proud to serve on the uh, coordinating committee. Um, my uh, work in the labor movement has primarily been with the Black Workers for Justice since its founding in uh, 1982, and I'll say a little bit about that later. Uh, and as a postal worker for 25 years, uh, during which time I served as a local president and a uh, state director of research and education. So that's uh, how I kind of kind of come into the, the movement. Um, we're here in North Carolina, um, which is uh, an important uh, state in the South in terms of trying to organize the kind of movement that we need. I appreciate you kind of laying out what it is we we want to want to do. Um, the uh, assembly was started in 2012 uh, in Charlotte. And in Charlotte uh, was the site of the Democratic Party uh, convention that year. And a lot of people were getting together to kind of um, uh, demonstrate and opposed the, the Democratic Party agenda, uh, which really didn't address the needs of workers. And so we were there for that, but we were there primarily to talk to other workers uh, about building a movement that would uh, counter uh, what it is the Democrats and the Republicans are doing, um, to talk to each other, uh, to try to build a network of folks across the South. Uh, and so we, we, we spent the weekend with folks from Kentucky and Tennessee and Mississippi, South Carolina, North Carolina, um, Alabama, Florida, probably a few other states that I'm leaving out, but uh, defining the kind of mission um, that you you laid out that that builds a movement of uh, rank and file workers um, that is geared towards social movement unionism, and just to say a little bit about that, and that's a, a unionism as we see it that. It's not just limited to the workplace, um, you know, with uh, wages and benefits, uh, which are certainly important, uh, but it's broader than that. And that relates to the 
the, the broader social movement on the outside um, that's fighting uh, for uh, health care, uh, fighting for education, for housing, fighting against uh, police violence, um, those kinds of things. That's the social movement unionism we're talking about, that we connect to that. And with the, the recognition, you know, that workers' lives are not just limited uh, to the, the workplace, to the factory or the fields or the hospital uh, or the, the, the buses that they drive or, or wherever, but that they have lives that um, requires them to have good health care, that good housing, their children need education and so on. Um, and so uh, we see the social movement unionism as uh, important and as a kind of counter to um, business unionism that just limits um, the work that, that that unions do uh, to the immediate uh, workplace issues. So that's how we've been operating. Uh, the rank and file aspect we think is very important that uh, the rank and file is uh, a part of setting the agenda and leading the work. And uh, that's too often we find in the labor movement that that's not the case and the work is very top down uh, and dis dismisses uh, the, the the voice of rank and file workers, and so we're we're kind of uh, counter to that. The the work that we want to do, though, uh, friends, is that we want to bring people together in local areas, uh, in workplaces uh, that are beginning to organize or that need to be organized, uh, and to get them up and rolling to start to build some kind of. Uh, uh, organization in the workplace, some kind of resistance, and then to be in touch with workers in other workplaces in the same city or in the same county, and so that they can uh, help each other out uh, in times when um, we're they're trying to organize, when they're fighting the bosses, when there's pressure coming on them from uh, elected officials, uh, from the state, whoever, uh, to have some uh, folks to, to uh, bond together with and to build a movement. And as, as we've said, it's, it's not just uh, all, all workers that are organizing for the first time, but also local unions that, that need to be involved uh, in part of this process. And so we've been building that. Right now, we've got um, probably 11 um, assemblies that have come together. And it's been long and hard work over the years uh, with a particular up uptick since the, um, the uh, uh, COVID pandemic uh, brought a lot of people out. And then, of course, the, the strike activity uh, of late uh, has really uh, ramped up the activity. So we've got folks in um, the, the Richmond area. We've got an assembly of Richmond uh, in the Tidewater area, uh, Raleigh-Durham in North Carolina, Winston-Salem, Greensboro, Charlotte, Asheville, um, Atlanta, um, New Orleans, Northern Kentucky, uh, Tampa, and uh, Columbia, South Carolina. And, and then there's also interest that's been shown uh, by folks, of course, in, in um, uh, Charleston uh, and in Greenville, North Carolina, here in our own state. So the, the network is expanding uh, and uh, really has gotten a boost uh, from the, 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 the labor conditions uh, and the labor resistance and fight back that we've seen over the last year. And, you know, you talk about it on the program all the time, but, you know, the, the, the UPS mobilization, of course, the UAW strike, um, the writers, the actors, 
Uh, and even in our own state, the, the, uh, in the public service sector, uh, uh, the Durham city workers um, staying, going out. So um, we've got that kind of, uh, of environment that's developing. And uh, we really think that it's urgent for us to take advantage of it right now um, uh, in this particular moment. Uh, the politics of the country uh, with the, the lurch um, to the right and uh, the uncertainty about uh, what's going to happen um, after the next election um, really, you know, uh, demands that we uh, get moving on building something uh, together and building some unity. So another, a couple of other points. And I mean, you, you've dealt with all kinds of organizing that's going on in the South. What, what we like to uh, emphasize that getting a union and a contract is a, a goal, but maybe not the only goal. Uh, and given the experiences of so many organizing drives, um, the, the road towards an NLRB election that's successful and then a successful contract is very, very difficult, very difficult. And so it's not that we're discouraging that, but we're saying that uh, in addition to those efforts that many workplaces are going to have to get started on their own. And we're seeing it, just people spontaneously getting together, building um, a workplace committee. Um, our organization, Black Workers for Justice, since 1982, has followed a practice of, of helping workers build committees inside the workplace just to do anything. It might be uh, just a health and safety committee. Um, a uh, a uh, women's rights committee, uh, anti-discrimination committee, whatever, but some form of organization that helps to build some power to be able to fight back um, in the workplace. And with the development of those committees in multiple workplaces, we think that the infrastructure for building the Southern Workers Assembly in a city or in a county or in a region is actually there so people can cooperate together. Um, just a case in point, the organizing that's been going on uh, at Amazon uh, in a number of cities, but uh, particularly in the Raleigh-Durham area, uh, has gotten support from the Southern Workers Assembly uh, doing plant gate work, uh, you know, out there flyering, uh, trying to get uh, uh, people's information, uh, meeting with them to, to set up um, uh, different kinds of, of activities inside the plant is something that the Southern Workers Assembly can do. Um, that's, that's some of the big names, but even the smaller kinds of workplaces, that's, that's important. But it also includes bringing in uh, folks that are organized already. So for example, in Richmond, um, we've got education workers, people who are involved with the, the teachers uh, organization there, the teachers union, uh, they're involved. Uh, and it goes across sectors of uh, people in the, um, the distribution and logistics area like um, uh, Amazon, but also in the public sector. Uh, we've got folks. Uh, we've, we've got folks that are working uh, in the fast food sector. We're happy to say that um, the, the Union of Southern Service Workers um, is connected now with the Southern Workers Assembly. They've been fighting for years for uh, 15 uh, an hour and, and a union. Uh, and they manifested that last year uh, and are continuing to work, but they're part of this general motion um, that, that we're a part of. So 
what, what I want to kind of say here too, you guys know it because the program is located in this critical region of the country, but the South is so important. Um, the South is uh, uh, so backward in, in many ways, uh, not by accident, of course, uh, by design, uh, but uh, we suffer the uh, worst economic conditions, um, the median earnings in Southern uh, uh, areas are among the lowest in the South, uh, you know, in the, the, in the, in the country rather. Um, poverty rates are above the national average. Um, in, in Louisiana and Mississippi, for example, one in five residents in poverty. Um, and then the child poverty rate in the South is 29% uh, higher than uh, any other region. And then we also, and it's kind of interesting when you talk about the, the um, radio program uh, coming in as part of the right wing network, right? Uh, it's that right wing network that's been uh, part of the, the, the support for the white supremacy uh, that the South has witnessed uh, in historically and the Jim Crow uh, that we faced uh, for so long, which has had an impact on uh, Southern organizing. Uh, over over time, uh, uh, particularly the Taft-Hartley Act, and I know you guys have talked about that um, in the in the past. But it's it's right to work provisions uh, still prevail, uh, and in fact, more and more states have, have gone in that direction. We've lost some states that um, that that had uh, collective bargaining uh, rights and didn't uh, have to worry about uh, dealing with the. Um, those kind of laws, but it's also impacted public sector workers. Here in North Carolina, uh, for example, uh, there's uh, legislation that prohibits collective bargaining amongst uh, state employees. Uh, and all of this, uh, you know, we have to underscore, came out at the height of the Jim Crow era here in in in, the, in this country. So um, we're we're still having to fight our way through that right now. And I think what we're seeing in terms of uh, all the workers stepping forward, uh, black and white, brown, um, Native Americans, uh, that we've we've got some uh, motion that we really need to take advantage of at this moment um, if we're going to make some some breakthroughs. So um, that's uh, you know I'm going to kind of leave it at that. Um, and see if you have any questions you want to ask in particular about the, the SWA. And then I'd like to share uh, something about the school that we're excited about uh, and would like to have your listeners consider uh, attending uh, if that's something that might help their work. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, there was a lot you said that was just really great and I really appreciate that. And I appreciate the work that SWA is doing because, um, as as you put it, you know, we've got to meet the moment. And there are so many threats and crises that we're facing. There's so much potential that we're facing as well. When we talk about the public support of labor, um, as you talked about, the you know, the conditions have really gotten to the point that more and more workers are, are looking around and interested in organizing. And we've got to be there to support them and to build that interracial people power that can transform the South, because we have to transform the South if we're going to really save this country. Uh, so I really appreciate what y'all are doing and getting workers connected across industries, across unions, non-union as well, because, um, you know, I think that is important. Only roughly one in 10 workers in this country are, in a mem are members of a union right now. Uh, and those other nine out of 10 still need to organize. And even if it is intermediate steps before they get to a union, 
I love that y'all are working on uh, just building power in the workplace, however you can, whatever that looks like under various conditions. And uh, shout out for y'all's work in the Carolinas, because I know the Carolinas are maybe the toughest spot in the South to organize just based on y'all's union density alone. Uh, we think we've got That's it bad right. in Alabama, but uh, I know y'all have got your work cut out for you out there as well. So uh, all that to say, I really appreciate the work that you're doing. And yeah, tell us about the Southern Worker School. Really looking forward to hearing about that. Sure. So, you know, we've done uh, probably five or six schools uh, during the, the lifetime of the uh, assembly, uh, dealing with various topics uh, over the, the years. Uh, you know, what, what's been um, uh, called upon uh, workers to do, what do they need to learn and so on. So always a kind of nuts and bolts school, how to, how to organize, you know, how to hold a meeting, how to do a flyer, uh, how to, you know, do a press conference, uh, how to map your workplace, all of those kind of basic things. We've always in, included that. Uh, and we'll be doing that too in this one. Uh, let me just start by saying it's, it's November uh, 10th through the 12th uh, here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And so um, we're, we're, we hope people will be interested in coming. Uh, what we're going to do, though, in terms of uh, how to build an assembly, so, you know, people who want to build an assembly in Alabama or um, in, in any other place, um, that there'll be opportunities to kind of get the step-by-step -step building process to hear from other people who have done it, uh, to, to learn uh, the, the, the challenges they face and, and, and the victories that they scored. There'll be that. But then there's also going to be, you know, discussion on uh, meeting the opportunities of the moment. Uh, and that we just talked about. And, and we feel like the way to do that is through coordination and collective action. That's, that's the, and, and on a broad scale, uh, it's got to be done. So we'll spend a, a lot of time on that. Um, the introduction to the, the whole school will take uh, place on Friday. And we've got uh, a very interesting panel uh, that's uh, titled uh, Building Strike Power in the U.S. South. Okay, not so in the U.S. South, not just uh, um, you know across the nation in the Midwest or in, in the East, uh, but across the South. And on that panel, we'll have the Durham City workers that I talked about uh, earlier, um, Arkansas uh, Tyson poultry workers um, uh, from Charlotte. Uh, we'll have um, UPS workers, uh, the Truckers Movement for Justice, uh, Columbia Starbucks workers, and more but all kind of uh, bringing uh, their lessons and their experiences. Uh, and of course, as your caller said earlier, I mean, this issue of the strike uh, is uh, very important. It's a major tool, uh, it's not to be used as a toy, of course, um, but uh, carefully uh, implemented um, is, is a very important tool for us. Uh, whether you're uh, in a large, uh, union like the United Auto Workers or the Teamsters, um, but even in smaller units and in other industries, uh, it's really important. So bringing that together, listening to that, it'll be um, uh, important on Friday. And then we'll have sector and industry breakouts. So, you know, uh, teachers will be able to get together. Uh, transportation workers will get together. Um, construction, uh, all of the different sectors to kind of share 
uh, information, share experiences, uh, and to develop the contacts to continue to be in touch with uh, each other uh, over the next months and, and, and years as uh, they build their work. Um, and then um, a discussion of the political period. And, um, you know, you guys agree with us that this is just a, a, a critical period. So we got to know what it means. You know, what, what does this next election mean? Um, what, what does it mean that uh, so much of the budget now is being shifted uh, towards the military? Um, you know, what does it mean uh, in terms of the, the, uh, the threats against uh, Social Security? And um, what about Medicare uh, for all? Uh, universal health care, all of those kinds of things are, are really important. And uh, even to the extent of how is the government, local governments and state and national governments going to respond to the growing labor movement? Um, you know, uh, strikes don't happen uh, in a vacuum and there's, there's always some kind of response, um, you know, of various types um, and, and we've got to be prepared for them. We've got to know what to look for and how to defend ourselves uh, against that. And then, uh, you know, lastly, as in any conference or school of this type, uh, to build the networks uh, um, with, 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 with other folks so that they'll be able to, in the future, uh, stay in touch um, through the SWA networks, but also independently uh, of each other. So it's not, uh, our organization is not really super formal and tight knit where people have to go through some kind of structure to talk to each other. Um, people are just getting it on after they meet each other. Um, and um, uh, we encourage that and, and we're looking forward to that happening uh, in uh, November. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a great opportunity for Southern activists, for Southern workers, uh, whether you currently have a union, whether you don't have a union, if you're interested in learning more about activism and organizing in the workplace and among your fellow workers uh, in the community. I think that's just is really great. And uh, like you said, one of the best things that comes out of events like this is the networking and, and just the connections that you make, the relationships you build, because you're going to meet people who are working on stuff that inspires you. You're going to meet people, you know, who are uh, working on things that are similar to what you're working on and may have some tips and tricks uh, and, and some things to avoid. Uh, and you're going to meet some folks that, you know, you'll be glad that you did uh, some days somewhere. Uh, you just sure. never know. Uh, right. And so I, and that's one of the things that always uh, amazes me about this movement is, is sometimes you meet folks and you don't necessarily know why. But six months from now, a year from now, you know, there's a struggle that pops off. And now now you need that connection. Right. And so I think that's, that's, right. that's one of the great things about what y'all are doing. So uh, remind us the date. It's in Charlotte, North Carolina, November 10th through the 12th. Correct. That's right. That's right. And of course, for information uh, on the conference, you can write uh, info uh, at southernworker.org. Uh, uh, and I've got a, I don't know if you can, if you guys can put this up, there's a long address that uh, people can also get in touch with. It's an invite. Um, let's see. Yeah, let's go with the uh, info at southernworker.org. That's probably the easiest one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, info at southernworker.org if you want to yes. uh, hit them up and find out how to get plugged in, um, how to, whether that's, you know, 
getting plugged in with Southern Workers Assembly, like in your community locally and doing some work with them or specifically about this Southern Worker School, uh, definitely encourage all of our listeners and and comrades out there who can make it to Charlotte, uh, November 10th through the 12th, definitely do that. I think it'll be a great opportunity for folks. And um, Ajamu, I really appreciate your time and appreciate the work that you're doing. I'm looking forward to connecting more with y'all and and just getting more plugged in with the work that y'all are doing and, and vice versa, let y'all know what we're up to in North Alabama. Um, I wanted to give you a chance. Do you have any parting words for uh, Southern workers and activists this morning? Well, yeah, I, I, I just want to say, again, just thank you guys, uh, not, you know, just for having us on, but for what you do in general and uh, being uh, in in the belly of the beast, so to speak, uh, um, requ- <laughs> you know, requires a, a, a big salute to you guys uh, for doing it uh, and having the impact that you are. And I, I just wanted to, to emphasize, I talked earlier about Southern um, uh, so, social movement unionism. Just wanted to point out today, I'm in Eastern North Carolina um, uh, at the uh, North Carolina Environmental Justice Network uh, Annual Summit. And I say that to say that um, we're connected to the environmental justice movement and in ways that uh, deal with labor. Uh, and we, we've done this for years, and it's not that kind of connection. But on the other hand, uh, uh, a member, number of our members are down in Charlotte on the picket line uh, with UAW right now. So it's that kind of breadth of work that we're doing, that many of your listeners are doing, and we just need to bring it all together uh, to build some power uh, in the South. So that's why we say organize the South uh, to build workers' power. Thank you. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Appreciate that. Uh, thanks again. And again, y'all can uh, hit up info at southernworker.org if you want to get more details on the Southern Worker School. Again, it'll be November 10th through the 12th in Charlotte. Check out Southern Workers Assembly. Uh, check out Black Workers for Justice. Doing some great work. Uh, really appreciate it. And thanks again for joining us this morning. All right. Uh and so, again, I, I really do appreciate what they're doing, and I do encourage listeners, if you're in the Charlotte area, if you're in the Carolinas, uh, unfortunately, Jacob and I have a prior obligation. We're not going to be able to make it. Um, I wish we could because uh, it sounds like a great event, and I'm hoping to make it next time. Uh, hopefully, it's going to be very successful. There'll be another Southern Worker School soon, um, and would love to do that. But, um, yeah, I really appreciate what they're doing. and. Um, Hope I know we've got some listeners out there in the Carolinas. I know we've got a few. Uh, so definitely get plugged into what they're doing. Um, I would love to hear about the Durham public sector workers. I bet you that's going to be a really cool panel. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They've been doing some awesome stuff. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, looking forward to uh, to hearing, hearing the results. Um, so, Anna, before the show, I told you that we got a voicemail and it seemed really, I mean, just right up your alley to respond to. So let's play this voicemail and, and get your reaction. Okay, sure. Hey, uh, what's what's going on, Valley Labor Report? I'm a big, big fan of the show. I've been listening uh, for the entirety of uh, my, my organizing career. Um, after organizing a few shops, I got a job with a big local union here in the Midwest. Um, and uh, I'm wondering if y'all have any tips or tricks for breaking the labor management model. Um, I find that, um, you know, I'm 
kind of stuck in between my 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 members and uh you know my my union i guess and i'm uh i'm not sure how to um how to break out and uh how to actually make change around here instead of just scheduling another meeting with um you know a boss who's not going to do anything um so just uh looking for um advice on how to kind of um i don't know uh represent represent my my my, my members better uh thanks so yeah, Adam. Like I said, I thought that sounded uh, pretty familiar to, uh, pretty, uh, pretty similar to your own experience. So I'm interested in in your thoughts. Yeah, a few, a few things that come to mind. I mean, for those who aren't familiar, I worked for the Alabama Education Association for over five years. Um, I got my start as a high school history teacher. Got very activated as an educator. Got very involved both inside and outside of the association and ultimately took a field staff position um, in summer 2015 to represent the Huntsville City Schools employees uh, who belong to AEA. Um, and so, like I said, I did that for over five years. Um, and I came from, you know, rank and file perspective, from a militant perspective, uh, and from an organizing, you know, wanting to embrace organizing. I didn't have a ton of experience as an organizer, uh, but I knew that organizing was going to be important to make gains for educators uh, because I looked around and I was wondering, you know, who's going to fight for us? Who's going to do something? Who's going to say something? Uh, because this isn't acceptable. What we're experiencing as teachers, as librarians, counselors, custodians, cafeteria workers, none of us uh, were getting a fair shake. And it was important that somebody do something about it. And um you know, I felt like embracing organizing and as well as even some of the social movement unionism uh, that our brother from Southern Workers Assembly just talked about, I thought that was important. Um, the first thing I would say, though, is, you know, he, he already identified that he's sort of caught in the middle. Uh, and that's true because you're a staffer, right? And, and I would argue that the best place for change comes from the rank and file themselves. Um, and as a staffer, you can do what you can to support that kind of rank and file momentum. Um, you can also continually be caught in the middle uh, between the institution, the union as an institution and its management and bureaucracy on the one hand and then, you know, the membership on the other. Uh, or in some cases, there's other dynamics as well, right, because you have elected leaders of the membership which aren't always necessarily reflective of the rank and file, however you want to interpret that. Um, and so, yeah, you're, you can be caught in a bind there, and it's very easy to outkick your coverage on one end or the other in terms of you get too far out ahead of the members or you can get too far out ahead of the institution and your, your supervisors. Um, it's a very difficult dynamic to be in uh, if you are a staffer for a labor organization and you do have this passion for militancy and for organizing and for worker power, um, but you are in that staff role. And it's even more difficult if the people in the institution above you, whether that's the elected leadership and or the, the staff management, the executive directors and, and the like, um, 
You know, if they don't share that same vision, uh, you are going to be caught in a bind. And, you know, a veteran organizer once told me at one of my earliest trainings that the most common way that work ends is in burnout or sellout. Mm. And I didn't want to be either one of those. Uh, I burned out. I didn't sell out. Uh, believe it or not, not many people even tried to buy me out. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Maybe they knew it wouldn't work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that as the right answer. But uh, uh, so, yeah, I think it's a difficult dynamic to be in. But here's what I really want to emphasize, which is build relationships, build relationships with the members with the co-workers that you have that you can trust uh, because presumably you have a staff union as well if not maybe that's something you need to be working on um, but uh, build relationships and really lean on that uh, and start small if you're trying to introduce organizing into a local that really hasn't done anything um, you know you can't expect to lead some massive rally uh, just like flip a switch and, and embrace that overnight. It's going to take some time and you got to start small. And, uh, you know, maybe it starts with three or five workers getting together for a, a brainstorming session. Maybe it starts with, you know, uh, you know, of course, in my context in the school system, right, it was just like if I could get somebody to come to this school board meeting with me, at least somebody, right, that's, that's, that's a win. Uh, and then if next time they can bring somebody else, then there's another win. Uh, so yeah, you just start small. Uh, I think you, as you listen to the members and get to know the members, you will get a better sense of the issues that are wildly, uh, widely felt and, and deeply felt. And, um, those are the issues you want to work on issues that unify folks that bring the members together issues that. You can have wins that can build on wins, um, where you can introduce some some organizing into your your campaign and into your work, uh, and build confidence among the members that they can do it, right? Because it's sometimes it's just a not knowing. Um, they've they've no one's ever asked them to wear a red shirt on Friday in solidarity, right? It's not that they're opposed. It's not that they don't know how to do it. Maybe no one's literally ever asked them to do that. Uh, maybe no one's ever had a conversation with them about, you know, why would that be a good thing to do? Why would we all wear red shirts on Friday? You know, well, what kind of message does that send? And um, what are we trying to track from that, right? Who shows up and where's the red and who doesn't? Where, where are we strong? What departments all showed up in red and which departments didn't show up? Um, all those kinds of things. So those are just some things that come to my mind. Um, I, again, you know, I, I hesitate because I think at the end of the day, um, a lot of really bright, passionate, talented people want to change this labor movement, make it better. And a lot of us end up in staff positions because of that, uh, or in spite of that. Um, and that's not always the best position. To, to make that transformation. I think we need good people in those staff roles, absolutely. Uh, but it, it can never be led by staff. Um, and, you know, that was certainly an experience that, that I had in Huntsville is that, um, you know, I, I felt like that was an area where I, I 
could have done a lot better. Um, and anytime you can have opportunities to build power from the bottom up, take advantage of it, uh, however small it may be. So those are some, those are just some thoughts. Um, Jacob, what do you think? Yeah, I think that all sounds good. And I, I and I think in particular, you know, trying to, um, and, and some of it is, you know, you, you, you mentioned, um, or you've talked to me before about trying to, you know, empower members and, uh, and delegating some tasks to them that they can do. And, and, you know, one, one added benefit of that is it takes work off of your plate. Um, but it actually does, it, it, it does help them kind of build the muscles to exercise power themselves, um, and to feel like they have a stake in the union. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think that that's always good. Um, I guess one question that I would have would be, um, in, you know, to obviously the, 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 you know, the change has to come from the members, because if you, like you said, if you outkick your skis as a staffer, uh, and the members don't support you. And, and in your case, even when the members support you, you know, the management of the union is just going to kick you out they're going to fire you because they don't they don't like the direction that you're trying to take the union. Um so you really so it has to come from the members. And so what how, how do you make what would be some of your thoughts about how to make the membership see that that you know there's only so much that you can do as staff and that it really has to be them leading the charge. Well, I think you have to be honest. Um maybe carefully honest <laughs> uh but honest um i think you have to to keep it real with members about that because sometimes there is an impression of like oh well you are the union right like you're the staffer like right. you're the union guy you're supposed to fix this and or you, you you're supposed to take care of that right um and people pay dues and they expect amount of a certain amount of services and, and we have to factor all that in but um yeah, I think you have to to be realistic with folks about it, and I think you have to again. That's where the relationships come in handy because the more you have authentic relationships with folks, uh, the more you can have that that conversation mm. in a real way. Um, and you know, I, I think you just continually have to bring it back to um, to the members and and put it back on them of like, well, what are y'all going to do about it, right? you know yes something is bad in the workplace okay now what are we going to do about it right? right um not like what are you the union like no like we are the union right so we're all in this together so how are we all going to work together what can we do about mm. said problem said issue um but yeah it's it's really it's tough it's tricky um i don't i certainly don't have any magic formula for it i wish i did I'd be a lot better off probably, but, uh, you know, all can, all can learn from is the experiences that I've had and I, I've certainly done it well and I've done it not so well. Uh, you know, so, um, I think local governance can be a, a, a dynamic to factor in, like, you know, what do they want? Um, so yeah, you are caught in the middle between the institu various institutions as well as the rank and file itself, but ultimately, you know, if you stay true to your values, you can sleep at night. 
Right. And that's really going to be kind of the big important thing. That's and, that's what counts. That's what right. has always counted to me. And, you know, maybe I went to sleep at night knowing I was broke, <laughs> but I would rather do that than than sell out the membership, than um, betray the membership um, or to simply just take the route of expediency um, just to make it easier on yourself and, and, and hurt the membership as a whole. And, you know, that kind of, you know, this conversation is, is part of the broader conversation about, you know, building up unions. And that's kind of been part of a theme of, of the second half of the show, you know, with the Southern Workers Assembly and, and then answering this question. And that goes, it, it, it ties into a question that we got some time ago that we've been sitting on and, and haven't had the chance to answer during a show. But, you know, somebody asked about basically from the other side, you know, like if I'm a member of a union, what do I, you know, how do I go about trying to, uh, you know, build support among the other members for a more militant uh, democratic kind of union. And, and the question specifically was talk about the nuances and difficulties of being a leftist uh, trying to organize within a union with members of all different backgrounds and even, you know, potentially some pseudo fascists, how to build solidarity and class consciousness without using scary words. Um, and that's definitely, you know, without using scary words is a very important thing, I think, um, because when, you know, people identify as a leftist or a socialist or whatever, you know, uh, those are those are definitely trigger words and they make people feel weird uh, in some places. But if you just talk about what you want to do, what is it that you want? What is the change that you want to enact on society uh, in our workplace? And the change is, uh, you know, we want more power to be in the hands of the working class. And, you know, that's really not that scary. But, um, but you know, so just, just a little bit of a comment there. But, but you know, uh, what, how would you answer that kind of from the other side? As, as a member, what, what would you think, um, what do you think would be some words of advice there? Well, I do think it goes back to relationships and, um, you know, building respect on the job. Um, obviously, doing activism and organizing stuff here in Alabama for the past decade or so. Um, if you haven't figured it out, I'm a little bit to the left of most people in Alabama. Uh, but that hasn't stopped me from, you know, having some success in, in coalition work and finding unlikely partners and working together with folks across different backgrounds and different perspectives uh, of, you know, yeah, uniting around common interest. Um, you know, I had some, some of my AEA members who were Republicans and who certainly knew that I disagreed with them on politics, uh, but they were still excellent for me in terms of showing up as building reps, showing up at school board meetings when, when the call to action comes out, you know, writing the legislator when I asked them to. Um, and so I think it was because we were able to work together on shared interests. We all want to be treated with respect and dignity. We all want to be able to go home to our families safely at the end of the day, spend time with our families. Uh, we all, all want to be able to provide for our families and, and make enough to, to do that. Uh, we all want to retire with dignity and, and comfort uh, after a life given to labor. Uh, you know, those are just some, some, some areas where we can find common ground, I think. Uh, will it work with everybody? No, of course not. Um, but yeah, I think it's all in, in your approach of like, 
are you approaching people as like fellow workers as your brothers and sisters or are you like preaching at them like the unconverted you know mm -hmm. and i think sometimes people who are very politicized make that mistake um whether it's yeah using like buzzwords or you know triggering language yes which is, is something that happens but also just the in the the approach in general i think um sometimes it, it can just it can really turn people off mm. uh and i've i don't know i've always had i would say a fair amount of success in being able to get along with folks and talk with folks and listen to folks uh who don't necessarily share my politics and I've had plenty of people who don't share my politics who still, you know, maybe respect my advocacy or, or organizing uh, because they see why I'm doing it. And and that goes back to your point of like, what are you trying to do and like why? Well, it's because I think all of us work hard, right? All of us work hard. We all deserve better. Uh, we all deserve to be treated fairly at work. We all deserve to to be able to enjoy vacation and sick leave and etc um and that's not to say that you can only stick to bread and butter issues that are like less controversial because i do think there's absolutely a need for and a space for social movement unionism because all of these issues are connected and right. we can't just operate in a silo into like what happens in the workplace uh so you're gonna have friction points you're gonna have you know, instances where some people get turned off or, or where you have some conflict. Um, but again, you know, I think if you're focusing on trying to develop relationships with folks uh, that are in good faith, that are honest, that you may not always agree, and that, hey, you may think I'm like some crazy commie, but guess what? I'm going to show up for you. I'm going to fight for you. Uh, and I hope you'll do the same for me. Yep. And, you know, I think, you know, you, you can have success. It just takes it, it takes a lot of effort and you have to try and you have to be persistent um, and you can't just give up when it doesn't work out because it's not going to work out all the time. Right. It may not even work out most of the time. Right. Uh, but when you have those wins, it's so remarkable and amazing. And, yeah, when you can. Uh, work together with someone who disagrees with you about other things but can struggle together, that enhances the relationship and builds a whole new level of solidarity that sometimes can transcend those differences and sometimes can even begin to erase those differences and be begin to bring those folks over closer to you uh, as they see what you're about and they see the work that you're doing. So, you know, those are just some of my thoughts. Yeah, I uh, we went to a um, we went to a DSA meeting the other day, and the Southern Region uh, staff organizer uh, for the DSA, so the person that has the Southern Region, he came down, um, and he was at the meeting, and and we were talking after the meeting, and he said that he um, he was previously an organizer with the UAW. Um, and he, uh, and he wasn't, you know, shy about, or, or he wasn't, at least he wasn't closeted anyway about being a socialist. And, and, uh, he, he told us about how there's this, you know, one of his, uh, the best members in terms of being in favor of the union and being active and activating others for the union, uh, was a very conservative, like Republican, like diehard, you know, uh, conservative, uh, you know, in, in his opinions. Um, 
but after you know working with him on a strike and and you know showing him how much that uh he cared about you know the union and him uh the union generally and him specifically uh they came to be you know closer and friendlier and and he was uh and this republican guy was introducing the socialist union staffer to a friend and and said something like yeah you know this is this is so and so uh he's a socialist but he's a good guy <laughs> so right um, and yeah. and that hey i i mean there are people in my life who have said something very similar about me mm-hmm. um yep and you know what we can still have good conversations about different issues and not all issues <laughs> right. by any means but you know you can do it uh so i would just encourage people you know stay true to your values but meet people where they are yep if if i could sum it up all right so we got another couple of things to talk about today um the uh 844-899-8857 is the number 844-899-TVLR but we've got um two more basically uh kind of UAW stories and so here's um here's one about what's going on at Mack Trucks and uh, this is they, you know, in addition to these weekly live streams that Sean Fain has been doing, the communications department has been putting out really good, uh, really good videos, uh, you know, kind of summarizing what's going on and telling worker stories. And so this was a very good one about the situation at Mack Trucks. And uh, it includes some uh, comments from Tim Smith, Region 8 director, uh, who I have had the pleasure of getting to know more over the last few weeks weeks uh, on the phone. Uh, seems like a good guy. Looking forward to talking to him and working with him in the future. Uh, but here is, let's play this video from the UAW about Mac. 7 a.m. on Monday, October 9th, nearly 4,000 workers at Mac Trucks walked out on strike. The night before, they voted down a tentative agreement with the company. Agreements get voted down. It's, it's part of the process. It's, there's only one enemy in this situation, and that's the company, and it always is. You know, you've basically empowered the bargaining committee to go back to the table and demand more. We had two informational meetings with the members to hear their voice uh, and what their issues was with the master and the local. Last year, we got killed with inflation. And I know that money is there for COLA. We gotta get it back on the table. You have to be secure not only in your, your work, but in your retirement too. And the extra thousand dollars that they're giving us to the 401k, it's not going to cut it. We should be at 40 hours, and that's it. Anything after that should be paid over time. That's how it's been. You send a powerful message. Powerful message. 73, and not just in this facility, across across the entire manufacturing of all A lot of people are afraid to call off sick because we have a point system. Oh my God, I have so many points, I'm gonna get a day suspension or I'm gonna lose my job. That's wrong. People get sick. People deserve to have a sick day. We'd be in a lot better shape if we had cost of living adjustments. Um, I don't think that ever should have been taken away. That's the protection that we need to provide for our families. You know, I have kids myself, so I wanted that to be in the contract. And Mac can afford it. Mac Trucks is owned by Volvo Group. Volvo Group makes most of its money off of its trucks, including Mac. In the past 10 years, they've made $22.8 billion in profits. And they expect 2023 to be their most profitable year ever. And yet Mac workers are going backwards. 
profits. They're great profits. You know, the companies are making billions and they're just not sharing it with the workforce. 73% turned down the contract, 2,100 of them come back and say that coal is their number one issue. I don't see how they can walk away from it. We know where we have to go, and I feel we can get it. You know, these workers haven't had a raise. Inflation is sky high. I get emotional because I'm no different than they are. I'm an auto worker. I'm proud to be an auto worker. It's from Sean to me to the bargaining committee, we want the same thing as they want. We want a fair contract for a fair day's work for a fair day's pay for our members. Mac workers don't have to settle for less while the company keeps making more. Uh, as always, a uh, some really, really, a really great video from the UAW, and um, I mean the perfect message. And this is why, uh, you know, and and this is what unions should do when there is a, you know, when there's uh, when a tentative agreement is voted down. You know, I mean, some unions kind of take it personally or some people in, in negotiating committees take it personally when a tentative agreement is voted down um and and they shouldn't uh you know as an insult to the union and, and they shouldn't they should just take it as you know look the members uh think there's more and they want more and they think they can get more and so uh the as sean fain said in his live stream when he when he um announced that you know mac moving the deck chairs, uh, moving around the deck chairs is not going to be sufficient. The members are the highest authority. And so, you know, even, even though, you know, in some ways you could say that, even though in some ways you could say that, you know, look, this Mack truck, uh, tentative agreement that they voted down, there were some wins there and there were no doubt, but, uh, but it wasn't enough. And so instead of, you know, the union, fighting against the membership and and working with a company to rearrange deck chairs and try to uh, have the membership vote until they get it right they are uh you, the union is putting their force behind the membership and saying you know okay this is what you've asked us you know this is what you've asked the union to do and so we're going to do it um and and I really appreciate that I really appreciate that message and that's exactly the right message yeah totally agree totally agree so we will uh, we'll continue to update you on that. Uh, I think Tim Smith is going to be coming on the show at some point, and, and we'll dive a little bit deeper into the Mack truck situation, um, as well as what's going on with the big three uh, with Tim when we get him on the show, uh, and looking forward to it. But, uh, but yeah, that's, kinda, that's basically the, uh, the top line of what's going on at Mack Trucks right now. And um, the last segment that I had lined up for today is talking about, you know, the fight for a shorter work week. And this is something that has been getting a lot of attention in the UAW negotiations, even though the UAW really since the beginning of the negotiations hasn't been highlighting it as much, um, which I think is is a little bit of a bummer. But, you know, that's fine. I think just getting it out there um, is is a really huge step. Um, a four day work week for five days pay is really, really big and and deserved by the working class because as wages have stagnated since the 70s and 80s, production has continued to increase. Production has increased even more since the, you know, the 30s and 40s and 50s since we last got a reduction in the work week. Um, and all of that increased 
productivity, all of the value created by that in increased productivity has more or less gone to the people at the top, gone to the people who own businesses, um, gone to the people who make money because they have money. Um, and that's absolutely not right. And so we should take some of that back. And, and the way that we should take some of that back should be in the form of wage increases and also in the form of more free time. You know, uh, one of the things that um, Sean Fain has repeatedly mentioned uh, is that German workers work an average of three months less per year than American workers. Um, and they're doing they're doing fine over there in Germany. <laughs> and so, you know, the the uh, country is not collapsing, right? Because of a short work week, it's it's uh doing fine. And so it's not something that is uh, uh that is impossible to enact. In fact, these very companies have a shorter work week in uh Germany and France. And so the UAWD, Unite All Workers for Democracy, the Reform Caucus in the UAW that uh, campaigned successfully for one member, one vote, and then campaigned successfully for the um, uh, UAWD slate that had Sean Fain at the top, they put together a panel a couple of weeks ago about the fight for a shorter work week with union members from across the globe, uh, specifically from Germany and France. And they talked about the fight for a shorter work week and, and how that was won and, and working with a shorter work week over in Germany and France and, and how, uh, you know, specifically a 32 and a 30 or, or a 35 hour work week is what they have over in Germany and France. Uh, 35 hour work week and so how that was won and and um, the fight for a reduction even further to maybe a 32 hour work week like the UAW is fighting for so uh, first off is uh, this German worker he talked about the uh, German fight for a shorter work week here it is in Germany we won uh, the eight hours working day after the revolution of 1918. This was an uh, achievement for some decades, but in the 70s, 1970s, unemployment began to grow rapidly. And many union members demanded, again, shorter working time. The leadership of our union long opposed these demands until the Union Congress in 1977 decided uh, with the majority that we will fight for the 40 for the 35 hours week without without cut in pay in 1984 after long negotiations the membership voted for strike for seven weeks many of the big car plants like mercedes opel or audi were on strike at the peak a big part of the car and supplier industry had stopped production with no less than 600,000 workers involved. Additionally, at the same time, the union of the printing industry started their strike for the main, uh, for the <clears throat> 35 hours week. Here in the printing industry, the strike lasted 13 weeks. Several workers were badly injured when trucks 
of the capitalists were driven into the picket lines. But together, the workers gained the victory. And since the year 1995, we have the 35 hours week, even at the plants of Ford Motor Companies or of Stellantis. But capitalists always try to get back longer and more flexible working time. The union pushed forward and the capitalists wanted to turn back time. After reunification of Germany, we had only 38 hours work week in the East and the 35 in the West. But after long struggles today, many companies in the East have the 35 hours. The struggle will continue until everyone has the 35. In this November 30, uh, 23, our union starts the struggle for the 32 hours work week in the steel industry. And hope, hopefully they win and the next round of the struggle will start. As you see, the struggle for a shorter work week can be long and hard. But we should not forget, forget shorter work week is our right. We are working for capitalists who pay us a certain living wage, but make us work for much longer hours to get their profit from our work. It is our right to get a part of our living time back. As Karl Marx said, free time is the essential wealth of a society. Thank you. Free time is the essential wealth of a society. I think that's uh, that's a great that's a great uh, quote. Um, and you know, I mean that uh, there there's really nothing more important. There's nothing more valuable than your time, and so uh, the ability to claw some of that back from uh, the capitalists is important, and and absolutely should be at the forefront of the labor movement and has been on the back burner for far, far too long. Here is the uh, um, here is uh, the worker from France talking about uh, their shorter work week. Oh no, I don't think France is working. Oh no. What a bummer. Oof. Rip. Oh well. That's okay. But I, I really do agree with you that this should be one of the most pressing issues of the labor movement. Uh fighting for uh shorter work week across the board, I think, mm -hmm. you know, it's something that we can do that would, would have a lot of benefits for a lot of folks. Um so yeah, I, I really I want to see it revived. We came very close in the 1930s to a shorter work week than 40 hours. It's time to do it. Um, it's time to return some time to folks. Uh, I think there are economic benefits to it, environmental benefits to it, but really yep. it's just a humanitarian thing. Frankly, we've got too many folks out here who are working two to three jobs people who are working one job but working 45 50 60 hours a week at that one job um, mm -hmm. you know we had someone in our comments talking about uh, a UAW member saying they've been on 11 day or 11 hour mm -hmm. shifts every day basically since uh, the last couple of years uh, mm -hmm. nothing but 11 hour shifts uh, you know and that's just it's just uncalled for uh, right. we can do better 
we can spread more work around. And um, frankly, there's a lot of work in the country happening that's not super productive, that maybe is not super right. uh, socially useful. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've always believed that a shorter work week alongside a federal job guarantee would be huge policies that could really shift gears in this country. I know they're, those are pretty optimistic, but, um, you know, I think it's something that could really help. Yep. Uh, and we do have a caller on the line. All right. Uh, yeah, let's let's bring the caller on the line, and I think I know who this is as well. Um, calling from a 256 area code. 256 area code. What's your name, and where are you calling from? I'm calling from Decatur, Jacob. Hey, Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty fair. How about y'all? I'm doing good, doing good. What's on your mind, brother? Well, I just wanted to mention uh, Sean Fain right quick, and uh, what a breath of fresh air it is to an old union guy who who is of the generation of givebacks. Mm. And, and I suffered through them for many, many years, uh, uh, with, with, with giving away, with giving away to farm, basically every contract, uh, right. because we didn't have no, we didn't have no inspirational national leadership mm. during, during my years. Uh, oh, once in a while they might puff up, but mm. for the most part, for the most part, it was whatever was coming down the pipe from corporate America uh, dished right out to us and and pretty much let us know you better accept it because there ain't no fight in us and we ain't got no fight back to us. So uh, mm. it's just, it, it just, it just great to see the Teamsters and auto workers finally have leadership that that will stand in front of their membership and tell it like it really is. Because mm. it's, not, it's not really changed. I mean, the fight's not changed. Right. In, in 50 years of my work life, uh, it's, just, it's just who was willing to fight. And, and of course, most of that goes back to the to, uh, one man, one vote. Mm-hmm. Let the members decide who's going to lead them. And... Uh, Knowing, knowing uh, that that who they select is uh, who's going to carry the ball for them, and thank the Lord we just got some guys that'll that'll actually stand up and for the membership nowadays. Uh, Going to keep it really short and sweet. I'm proud to I'm, I'm proud to all the workers uh, who took on the, the 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 small plant down. Round Tuscaloosa, the Mercedes mm, supplier. Mm-hmm. I appreciate I appreciate them. I I hope that was a uh, very good contract. The the numbers in the ratification reflect that it must have been really good. Right. Uh, really quick. I know it's getting late. Uh, uh, when whenever the words come out of the company's mouth, whether that be from the CEO or the HR director at whatever plant, that we gotta remain competitive. Mm. Uh that that is <sighs> competitive to them means if if company X screws the employees, then right. company Y has to screw the employees also. 
not competing and winning at the marketplace. It's it's uh, who we going to screw to keep our profits and shareholders' money up. Uh, I sit in meetings with the very top brass from International Paper, and and one of them made the comment that we're going to smash the competition and put them out of business. And they was talking about my union brothers. I mean, mm. uh, uh, I, I, if you don't think I got offended by that, I was I was terribly offended and told them we wasn't interested in putting somebody out of business. Uh, right. That that wasn't our goal. You know, our goal was to make a living and and provide and uh, uh, boost everybody. But mm. their idea was to put somebody else out so they could make a little more money. Uh, but Jacob. Really, and I'll, I'll cut it short. Just the fact that we got some national leadership and some national unions who will actually stand up nowadays uh, is where we we, we should have never we should have never deferred from that forty years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean that, uh, but I think some of the national leadership got uh, complacent. Uh, scared to fight back, scared to fight back, and and now things is probably hopefully changing for the better. Uh, listen, y'all have a good day, and I won't keep you, man. Oh yeah, well, your lips to God's ears, and you know, uh, really quick before you go, um, I guess I am, uh, um. You know, I, I, I'm interested in, you know, I, I've been thinking about this a little while because the UIW also has a paper mill on strike right now. I'm not sure if you were if you had caught that, but they've got a paper mill on strike right now in uh, New Jersey. Uh, and I've been thinking about that a lot. It, it's a West Rock mill. And, um, you know, I, I think one of the things that uh makes it even more difficult in the paper industry is that the paper mills are all in, you know, the, all of the, all the no strike clauses are not in the national agreement. They're in the local agreements and all the local agreements expire. It's all staggered, you know, over the course of three or four years. And so, you know, the, the paper unions, they just don't have the ability to do a big strike like the UAW is doing or like the Teamsters threatened to do at UPS. Well, you you exactly right, but but Jacob, there was a when when there was a major merger between Pace, which was the old paper workers, mm-hmm. and, and the rubber workers, old comp, old old workers, uh, they all merged. Then we merged with steel workers. There there was some goals set there mm. to 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 make more master mill agreements. Mm-hmm. And to take either longer or shorter contracts to make contracts expire uh, within within weeks and mm-hmm. months of each other, rather than years apart. Uh, but but those those they've never they've never reached uh, fruition on them things. They uh, you know we we was told we was told and and I I tend to believe it because it was. It was a it was a good strategy, but you know where we was taking unfortunately six year contracts. You know we was gonna we was gonna get in there and bargain for a, 
a four-year contract if that made more contracts expire at the same time where we could mm-hmm. actually take them on. But but that's never happened. That's really, mm-hmm. you know, they concentrated on on master agreements in IP, West Rock, Boise, or whoever, you know, uh, and 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 really never changed the expiration dates. Basically, they go into their master mill agreements and negotiate benefits, uh, things like that. And and if and if they're satisfactory to that location, then they they get them voted in. Or, uh, but but they never address the real issue of expire them and all relatively close together so we could have a, a real action against them if necessary. But while we're talking about paper mills, and Mel mentioned it on the Facebook chat, was uh, IPs announced they're closing uh, Orange, Texas mill. Mm-hmm. Uh, total shutdown there. And, you know, we had, we had some bar members actually transfer out there, and most of them mm-hmm. still employed out there, so they going to get a, a double dose of IP. And then mm-hmm. uh, the same way with the Pensacola location, they're going to shut down a pulp mill uh, or, or a, a pulp dryer, which is going to affect about another 100 workers. And we got workers down that left Cortland and went down there also. They've, they've announced about the same type of cutback at a place called Regalwood, North Carolina, where I got union acquaintances over the years that's working there. Uh, right. I think that's going to affect some of them also. But uh, <clears throat> uh, the, the the problem in the paper industry is, uh, and we've been our own worst enemy on some of that, you know, don't none of us read a newspaper anymore. I do every day because i got plenty of time to do it. But, <laughs> you know, we use email. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't use... Uh, we don't use as much paper as we used to, man. The, the demands drop for it, and then these mills that this stuff's really affecting is uh, now now rather than the fine paper, the white paper. It's uh, it's pulp that they sell on the open market uh, for other paper mills to buy and make paper out of it, or even export to to different places, you know, to make paper, or it's brown paper. Uh, used right. in mostly uh, packaging boxes and stuff like that. Well, what happened over the years, Jacob, as the demand for white paper went down, in order to save some paper mills, these companies converted uh, to brown paper or this pulp selling, uh, and they've saturated the market pretty bad with it, you know. So so that's where a lot of the, that's where a lot of the shortcomings is in the paper industry now, but... Uh, like I say, we're on worst enemy on some of that stuff too, but uh, can't I can't fix that? You know, I can't fix that. Uh, but I ain't gonna I ain't gonna dwell on 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 the problems. Uh, just mention one thing. Uh, I got the shortest work week of any person in the world now. Mine's my my work week is zero. Uh, <laughs> so so. With me, with me having a zero work week, man, I sure hope I sure hope that we see a 32-hour week for the people that are still having to go to work in the near future. That's right. Absolutely. That's right, brother. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I really appreciate you calling, and I always appreciate you sharing with us and and talking with us. Uh, it means a lot to yep. us. Well, 
and the, and the politicians that you contacted, I probably contacted every one of them during the uh, uh, coal miner strike down there. Got no response from any of them in that area down there. Uh, and I really thought I really thought somebody might at least call me back, but they didn't, you know. So that's par for the course. Right. But listen, y'all take care, man. Yep. You too, brother. Always appreciate you calling in. Thanks. All right. All right, folks. I think that's going to be it for us today. Yeah, I think so. Uh, just want to remind folks to tune in to Shop Talk. If you missed it last week uh, or this past week, we had Lisa with Labor Notes talked about 10-minute meetings. So if you're interested in like doing stuff mm. on the job, you want to accomplish something with coworkers, check out Shop Talk. Uh, that's the kind of thing we, we focus on. We focus on labor history as well as training and education. Uh, not sure how things are going to go this week, frankly, uh, to be determined on whether or not there will be a pre-recorded episode or an episode at all or what. Uh, we've got a lot going on this week. we got the AFL-CIO conventioning mm-hmm. happening in Alabama. Uh, we've got a worker power meeting Thursday that Alabama Rise is doing. Um, just a lot, a lot happening. So yep. it's going to be a busy week, but... Um, also wanted to just tell uh, listeners, I really appreciate everyone who's tuned in today, everyone who likes and shares and subscribes. That definitely makes a difference. Uh, and uh, finally, yeah, we've got some big announcements coming soon. So um, mm-hmm. definitely stay tuned over the next couple of weeks. Uh, we've got a cool project we're going to be working on that I think folks will really dig and re- will really appreciate. So yeah. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I guess that's all I have uh, for this weekend. Uh, thanks again, y'all. All right. See you next week.